Welcome to the most important day in the Christian calendar, Resurrection Sunday. We're so glad that you're here in person and watching online this morning. Because of Resurrection Sunday, we are a hope-filled people, and our anthem song is Hallelujah, Christ has risen. Amen? Risen indeed, He has. For the last four weeks, we have been examining the life of Peter and his journey to the road, uh, on the road to redemption. And today we discover that Peter is at the empty tomb and Jesus has scratched on the walls of the grave, I was here never to return, A.D. 33. The Bible portrays the Resurrection Sunday as an unexpected surprise for at least the followers and the disciples of Jesus. And so go ahead and ask yourself this question on Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, Have you ever had an unexpected surprise? Have you ever had an unexpected surprise? I'm talking about something that was shocking and astonishing and perhaps even startling to you. Well, before grade 12 graduation, my great aunt presented me with my great grandfather's pocket watch, which I have here this morning and I hold in my hand. It is a working pocket watch that has many, many stories that goes along with it. It was a gift that my great-aunt, her, her husband, had it from his father, which was my great-grandfather, and she wanted to pass it on in the prime family line, and so I was the recipient, um, the great-grandchild receiving this pocket watch that actually still works today. And I can tell you that it was unexpected, that it was astonishing and humbling and amazing all in the same breath. Several years ago, when my oldest son went to grade 12 graduation, I gave him this pocket watch and said, you, son, are now the keeper of this pocket watch, and we are five generations deep on this pocket watch. Now, that may not seem like a lot to you, but it does to me, and it is an amazing astonishment, accomplishment that we are passing this pocket watch along with the stories that go with it. To say the least, I was this right here. I, was, I had an unexpected surprise, and it was a pleasant one. This may startle you this morning, but Easter 2022 is no surprise for those who follow Christ. Easter 2022 is no surprise for those of us who follow Jesus Christ. Why are we not surprised on Easter morning 2022? Because we live in a post-resurrection age. Christ followers know that the tomb is empty. Amen? We know that death did not permanently suffocate Jesus. We know that Christ followers, uh, Christ followers know that Jesus is alive and that He has risen from the dead. It is no surprise to us living here in 2022 that Jesus is alive. We're living post-resurrection. We are not surprised this morning. Amen, church? If you are surprised at the resurrection of Jesus, then we need to talk. Because if you are a follower of Jesus... There is no surprise. He has risen. There is no question. Carl Crudson made this wise observation about Easter when he said, the story of Easter is the story of God's wonderful window of divine surprise. 
Many of us know what happened on Easter Sunday, and we know why it happened on Easter Sunday. But for the first century disciples and followers of Jesus, arriving at the tomb on that morning, it was an unexpected surprise. This unexpected surprise is visible for us in John chapter 20. We're going to take a few moments to run down through 10 verses of John chapter 20, starting at verse 1. Early on, su- on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. Verse 2, <clears throat> she ran and found Simon Peter and, other dis- and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, which we now we know is John. Verse 2, she said, uh, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. And verse 3, Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. So they're just, they're going. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And verse 5, so we had a little marathon going on here. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there. But he didn't go in. That's John. Verse 6, then Simon Peter, who was a little late in the marathon, arrived and went inside the tomb. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there. In verse 7, while the cloth had been covered, uh, uh, while the cloth, the cloth, excuse me, that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. So the body wrappings were in one pile, but the head wrapping was in a neat, uh, neatly folded pile. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, so John went in after Peter did, and he saw and believed. Verse 9, for until then they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then in verse 10, they went home. Uh, uh, Then they went home. In the Gospel of John, if it was a biography, there would certainly be no chapter 20. If John, the Gospel of John, was a biography, there would be no chapter 20. Most biographies conclude their biography with the death of the subject. In fact, I'm unaware of any biography that's ever been written or recording a person's life where that person, at the end of the biography, has actually resurrected from the dead. The biography ends with their death. I've read Winston Churchill's biography, and he does not rise from the dead. Maybe you've read some others, like Abraham Lincoln or Napoleon or some other historical figure. Maybe it doesn't even have to be a historical figure from history, but you've read their biography, and at the end, there is no resurrection of that person. John 20 is not a biography. It is a living testament that Jesus lived, died, rose again, and lives presently. It is not a biography. The only person I'm aware of who who has ever made and kept an appointment beyond the grave is Jesus. He's the only person I'm aware of who's made an appointment and kept that appointment beyond the grave. Perhaps you're wondering how. Well, Jesus repeatedly declared to his disciples and to people who would listen to him, before he died on the cross, that three days after his death, he would do what, church? He would come alive. He would rise from the grave. John 20 confirms Jesus kept his appointment by rising from the death chamber on the third day. The empty tomb completed God's redemption for mankind. You see, without Resurrection Sunday, the cross is meaningless. And without the cross, Resurrection Sunday is meaningless. They go together. 
Because on Resurrection Sunday, there is a new day that dawns. There is a day of redemption for all of mankind because the debt of sin has been paid. The blemish of sin has been sanctified and the fear of death has been crucified and hope of an eternal future now is secured for us. Watchman Nee writes this when he said, our old history ends with the cross and our new history begins with what, church? The resurrection, our new life, our new story begins with the resurrection. As we look at John chapter 20 and the resurrection of Jesus, we quickly see redemption has been completed and a new day has dawned on Resurrection Sunday. I believe there are some good reminders for us today from John chapter 20. Here's the first one right here. The night is darkest just before the dawn. Say that with me, church. The night is darkest just before the dawn. Redemption always arrives preceding life's darkest moments. Think about that for a moment. Redemption always precedes life's darkest moments. In John 20, we see two examples. We see first Peter. On Easter Sunday, we discover that Peter is living in a very dark space, emotionally and spiritually. He had actually argued with God when God made the declaration, Peter, you will deny me three times. And what did Peter say? Oh, no, I won't. Not me, Jesus. I'll die for you. I'll go all the way for you. I will never deny you. And Jesus said, yes, you will, Peter. And Peter said, oh, no, I won't. Yes, you will. No, I won't. Yes, yes, you will. No, I won't. What happens next? We discover that Peter couldn't stay awake. While Jesus was praying in the garden, what happens next? Peter slices the ear off of a guy. What happens next? Jesus, or Peter follows Jesus from a distance. Peter watches the soldiers as they crucify Christ. Peter watches as Joseph and Nicodemus bury Christ's body in the empty tomb or the tomb that had never laid another body in. Peter was in a dark place. Peter was in a dark place. Second, we see Mary Magdalene. She's traveling to the tomb of Jesus in the darkness of the night. That's what Scripture tells us. Before the dawn of Easter Sunday morning. And arriving at the tomb, Mary exhibits little hope of ever discovering the resurrected Jesus. Look at verse 1 again of John 20. Early on Sunday morning, say it with me, church, while it was still dark. While it was still dark. Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. A resurrected Jesus was not even on Mary's radar. But listen to this truth this morning. Even though a resurrected Jesus was not on Mary's radar, doesn't mean that God was still not at work. In the darkest of the night, while it was still dark, God was at work. What was God doing in the darkness of the night? I'll tell you what God was doing. God was shaking the ground. God was rolling back the stone to the entrance to the tomb where Jesus was. God was breathing life back into the body of Jesus. And Jesus was resurrected in preparation for the dawn of Easter Sunday morning. Do you know that the resurrected Jesus is at work in your life this morning? That in the darkness of your life, Jesus is preparing a new day. Just because you can't see God at work doesn't mean that God is not at work in your life. Amen, church? 
Because He's shaken the ground and He's rolling back the stone from the tomb of the life of your having, the darkness that you're in. He's preparing for the dawn of a new day in your life. And it all happens in the darkness of the night. Even after the dawn had arrived, Mary was still in the dark. Look at chapter 20, verse 2. Listen, she said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb. And we don't know where they have put him. Do you see Mary's challenge? The dawn has arrived. Jesus is alive. But Mary believes Jesus was still what? It's okay, you can say it. She believes he's still dead. She goes back to Peter and John and the other disciples and she says to them, you know what, the the tomb is empty. She should have been saying, the tomb is empty, Jesus is alive. But she goes back to them and goes, the body's been moved. Somebody has stolen Jesus. Somebody has moved the body of Jesus. This is tragedy. Like this, this, what are we going to do, guys? Like this is not good news. I'm wondering if you've ever felt like Mary Magdalene in your life, where your darkness was so dark that the hope of seeing a new day was not even on your radar that Jesus has rolled the stone away and He is standing there in the present, your presence. And yet you still do not see that the dawn has dawned. Peter Marshall once said this, the stone was rolled away from the door not to permit Christ to come out, but to enable the disciples to go in. The disciples entering the tomb was a new dawn to their darkness. Here's what happens in our darkest moments. Right now, there are people in this room and watching online who are in a very dark place. And here's what we fail to remember. We fail to remember that earth's saddest day and earth's gladdest day were only three days apart. That's what we fail to remember. That the tragedy and the grief of Good Friday is greeted by the resurrection of Jesus just three days later. You see, Jesus only needed the tomb for the weekend. He didn't need it any longer than the weekend. He was done with it on Sunday, never to return. I'm not going back. It's been done. It is finished. Death has been defeated. Victory is for anyone who believes in my resurrection. Friends, our saddest and most challenging days are never forever. Our saddest and most challenging days are never forever. Resurrection Sunday has dawned and we are not alone. The resurrected Christ is standing in our life and wants us to see that He is alive and well. Hope has risen. Let your darkness be unexpectedly surprised at the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. There's another reminder from John 20, as Mary, Peter, and John went to the empty tomb, it's this right here, the dawning of a new day. The dawning of a new day. It was a new day dawning for Mary Magdalene. It was a new day dawning for Peter and John and for all of humanity. In the most unexpected place, the grave, they experienced a new day. Jesus was alive. Are you familiar with the definition for resurrection? Here's the definition for resurrection for us this morning. Resurrection means to revive. Resurrection means to revive. 
Jesus was revived after spending the weekend in the tomb. The Lord breathed life into Jesus and He came forth out of the tomb on the third day. Peter was revived through the resurrection of Jesus. And we'll talk about that more in just a few moments. When we fully embrace and accept the resurrection of Jesus, a new day dawns in our life. And our life is what, church? Revived. We are revived. I'll never forget the birthing experience of our sons and the joy it was to be part of that. I had the most easy part of the birthing process. I was the cheerleader in that birthing process. But I want you to know that when our boys were born and the cord was still attached, And the doctor was slapping them on the back. And you were thinking, that's a little hard, Doc. But he's pounding on their back until they do what, church? Until they breathe their first breath. And then they squawk like crazy. And in that moment, there is relief that your child is breathing. But there is an amazement that if this child had not breathed, then there would have been death. And in that moment, a newborn is what? Revived. Breathes on its own. I will also never forget the experience of watching my grandfather draw his last breath from the hospital in Yarmouth. Totally different experience than watching a child gasp for their first breath than watching someone you love gasp for their last breath. It is truly a moving experience. However, because of my grandfather's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, it was not the end. It was the dawning of a new day for my grandpa as he took his first breath in eternity. Why could he do that? because of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Revival is a new day. The dead in Christ are revived through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. On Easter 2022, I declare to you this morning that we, all of us in this room and watching online this morning, we all need to be revived through the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. New hope needs to be revived. Our province needs to be revived. Canada needs to be revived. The world needs revival. Amen? We need to be revived through the power and the authority of the resurrected Jesus Christ. We need to draw our first breath to a new dawn, to a new beginning through the power of Jesus. R.C. Sproul made this powerful observation concerning resurrection. He said this, It is considered normal in the 21st century that dead people stay in the grave. And then he goes on to say this, the same could be said of the first century, but the resurrection of Jesus was not normal. Amen, church? The graveyard is a reminder of death. But on resurrection morning, a new day dawned on that day. And no longer should the grave be a place of death, but the grave is now a place of life. In fact, the best news the world has ever heard came from a cemetery near Jerusalem. 
the tomb declared, Christ is risen. He is not here. He has risen. This is a new day. Jesus walked out of the tomb on that day, leaving the grave clothes behind, folded nicely the head wrappings and, the, and left in the clump the body wrappings, never to go back to that place again. Peter discovered this new day of truth in verses 6 and 7. Let's go back to 20, verse 6. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there. Then in verse 7, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. It was a new day in that moment for Peter. He may not have fully recognized and understood it as we do today, but sin and death were defeated. Paul writes about this glorious day in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting at verse, 50, starting at verse 54. Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Say this with me, church. Death is swallowed up in victory. Let's go on to verse 55. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. And then in verse 57, but thank God, say it with me, church, He gives us victory over sin and death. Let's just go back again and repeat that one again. He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. One day a little boy and his dad were traveling through the countryside with their windows rolled down on a spring-like day, having the blast, having a blast, when all of a sudden a bumblebee came into the cab of the vehicle and was buzzing around. And the little boy became so frantic, he froze. He was petrified in his state because he was severely allergic to bumblebees. And so the father just reached out and grabbed the bumblebee and held it in his hand. And in a few minutes past, he let go of his hand. Or he opened up his hand and the bumblebee flew out of his hand and began to buzz around the cab again. And, and the little boy went into his petrified state again and went, Dad, Dad. And he looked at his son and said, Son, look at my hand again. And as the boy looked at his father's hand, he said, see right there, don't be afraid anymore. The stinger of the bee is in the palm of my hand. I've taken the sting for you. Jesus walked out of the grave with the stinger of death in his hand. A new day has dawned. He is saying to you and to me and to everyone who is listening on this Resurrection Sunday, I walked out of the grave. Look at my hands. They have the sting of death. I've taken the sting out of death for you. Jesus, thank you. Amen? I like this thought by Jonathan Edwards. He said, this resurrection... This resurrection of Christ is the most joyful event that ever came to pass because hereby Christ rested from the great and difficult work of purchasing redemption. Then he goes on to say this, and receive God's testimony that it was finished. Jesus comes out of the tomb and he is declaring three words. The best three words you'll ever hear in your entire life. It is finished. I have captured death 
and taken the sting from it. Peter's new life, redemption, was achieved on Resurrection Sunday. How is that possible? Well, we've been looking at his life and how he's been edging his way closer to redemption. And in verse 21, it speaks the, the truth to us this morning. Let's jump there and we're going to start at verse 15. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, say it with me, church, do you love me more than these? Goes on to say this in verse 15, yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know, I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus said. And then Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And goes on to say in verse 16, Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Then in verse 17, a third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And what does the next phrase say? Peter was hurt. Now, I, I, don't, I don't believe it was just by chance. I believe this was by design by God that Peter had done what? He had denied, denied Christ three times. This was just a few days earlier that he had denied Christ three times. And now in John chapter 21, after the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus and, John are or Jesus and Peter are having this conversation, excuse me, and Jesus asks him, I believe it was by design, three times, do you love me, Peter? And Peter said, yes, Lord, I love you. But the third time, Peter was what? He was hurt. I think the Lord was giving him a little bit of the hurt that he had when Peter denied him three times. Just a taste of his own medicine. That Jesus asked the question a third time. And then we go on to see the rest here. A third, uh, he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that even though I said I would never deny you, you knew that I would deny you. You know it all. You know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then what? Then feed my sheep, Jesus said. Let's go on, it continues on. I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself, went wherever you wanted to go. goes on to say in this verse, in the next one, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. And then in verse 19, Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him three, two words, say them with me, church, follow me. It's a glorious passage of Scripture because Peter now has discovered redemption and restoration. He has been on a roller coaster of an event in his life over the last few days. He's denied Christ. He's chopped off the ear of a guy. He uh, didn't pray in the garden as long as he should have prayed. He follows Jesus from a distance. He watches Jesus being crucified. He goes to the empty tomb, and the tomb is empty. There's a lot of emotion that's been going on in the life of Peter, and he's been following Christ from a distance. But in this moment, in John chapter 21, Jesus pulls Peter in and goes, Peter, do you love me? Yes, I do. Do you love me? Yes, I do. Do you love me? Yes, I do. Then do what, Peter? Follow me. Follow me must have been the most heavenly words for Peter after following Jesus and denying him three times. It was clear Peter was forgiven in this passage of Scripture. It is clear that, that Peter is restored in this passage of Scripture. And he is called to follow Jesus once again. I love that Jesus is a God of second chances. Amen. It doesn't matter if you've messed up this morning. Jesus is saying, follow me. Follow me. 
In John 21, a new day dawned for Peter. The apostle laid down his life for Jesus in this passage of Scripture, never to hang out in the shadow of darkness again, but to boldly declare the resurrection power of Jesus. And in fact, if you jump over into Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 3, we find Peter is the, the center of everything going on. He is declaring with boldness that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead and people are getting saved everywhere. I'll never forget the calling of Jesus on my life. The moment I heard Jesus say, follow me. Two of the sweetest words you'll ever discover. Jesus saying to you, follow me. I was surprised. I was surprised that Jesus would call a little farm boy to follow him. Jesus wants to surprise you this morning. He wants to surprise you. And some of us in this room and watching online this morning, we find ourselves in a very dark place. I'm here to tell you a new day has dawned because of the resurrection of Jesus. He wants you to experience His power and His authority. He wants to do a new work in you, give you a new life. He wants to redeem you like He did to Peter. And He wants you to hear the words, follow me, and He wants you to follow Him. Let the resurrected Christ resurrect you and your problems and your heartaches and your pain and your grief and your turmoil and your stuff that you're carrying along in your life, let Him resurrect you. Because He's calling you. He's calling out your name this morning and He is saying two words. Follow me. As you leave this morning at the entrance and exit doors of this room, there is a card that looks like this. It's a follow I have decided to follow Jesus card. If you are not a follower of Jesus this morning, if you've not embraced the resurrected, of, resurrected Christ this morning, I'd encourage you to fill one of these out. And we want to contact you and help you follow, uh, uh, help you discover the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of His resurrection this morning. We also have these books out in the lobby. We'd love for you to grab one of these. It's a message of hope. And it will help you in this journey as you spiritually come alive in the resurrected Christ. I want to pray for you. We're going to sing a song in closing. But this is the greatest day in the Christian church, the day that we celebrate the resurrected Christ. Amen, church? He is alive. And because He is alive, a new day has dawned for us who believe in His authority and power. He wants to change you and transform you. And if He can do it for Peter, and if He can do it for me, He can do it for you too. Amen, church? Let me pray for you. Father God, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the cross, and we thank you for the empty tomb. And we know that it's darkest before the dawn, and some of us in this room and watching online this morning, we're in a pretty dark place, and we need your resurrection power. We need you to dawn, be the dawn in our life that brings a light to the darkness. Lord, this morning as we look into the empty tomb, we know that you are no longer there. We know that you have scratched on the walls. I was here, but never to return. Lord, we're thankful that when we draw our last breath in this life, that if our faith is in you, Jesus, we will be resurrected with you in eternity.
Father, we thank You for the message of hope that You give to us. There is so much hope. It was one of the most astounding, the astounding miracle of up from the grave He arose. And because of that, we too can be resurrected. In Your power and Your authority, we live. We faithfully want to follow You as we hear You calling us as You called Peter. Do You love me? Follow me. Do you love me? Follow me. We thank you, Jesus, for your power and authority in Christ's name.